0: So we take content and culture. They're the two ingredients that make a good employee advocacy program. If you haven't got content, then there's nothing to amplify. And if you have got content, but bad culture, nobody will want to do it.
1: You're listening to the Content 10x Podcast, where it's all about content repurposing. I'm Amy Woods, and I'm here to help you maximise your content and find smart ways to get your message in front of more of the right people, whilst also saving time. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Amy Woods, and this is the Content 10x Podcast, coming to you with a special guest episode. This week, I am joined by British tech entrepreneur, Bradley Keenan, who is the founder and CEO of Disseminate, which is an employee-influence platform. He shares a bit about his journey to this point and how he spotted the great divide between sales and marketing that led him to start Disseminate. Now, I really wanted to discuss with Bradley the enormous marketing power of employee advocacy and how to get your employees to actually want to share your content. This is what Bradley is an expert in and he's got loads of great advice. So in this episode, we cover why we should consider our employees to be the most trusted influencers. We look at the right and wrong ways to run an employee advocacy programme and how to get your employees to buy into an employee advocacy programme. We also discuss why it's good for business when individuals in your team build their own personal brands. And we discuss so much more as well. It's a fantastic episode. So without further ado, let's dive in. Bradley, welcome to the Content 10x podcast. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you on. Really, really looking forward to this conversation, Bradley. And um, the Content 10x podcast, you know, it's all about maximizing the value of our content. And I'm really looking forward to talking about employee advocacy and how we can use employees to maximise our message and our content and, you know, getting the word out there. So really, really looking forward to this. It's something we haven't talked about before. Um, before we get into it, though, I'd love to just get started by talking about how you got to where you are today. So could you just share, you know, in a nutshell, founder of Disseminate, how did you get here?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll try. So um, Disseminate is actually my second business. Um, so I started an e-commerce technology company back in 2000 and nine um and uh, we were really fortunate because we were acquired only five years into that journey um and there was an experience that we went through being a small uh self-funded startup being acquired by a publicly listed company in that we went into an organization that was far more uh process driven less about company culture uh and that was something that we kind of had to grapple with um but being the founder of the company they wanted me around in case something went wrong, but didn't really want me to do anything because they didn't want to depend on me. So they put me out to pasture in marketing. And uh, as part of that acquisition, I was creating marketing content and trying to get salespeople to share it, which was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be because I thought, hang on a minute, these are salespeople. They surely want to sell more, so they get paid more commission. But it turns out that they weren't that eager on uh, extra tasks in their day. So it was kind of towards the end of that uh, handover period that I had this idea of creating a product which essentially um, uh, removed the friction for salespeople to share content. Uh, and that's really where the original idea came from. We then created a uh, an MVP, showed it to a couple of people, and they said, oh, yeah, that's like employee advocacy, which I realized I'd invented something that already existed. So then I'm Google searching what is employee advocacy after creating a platform that does exactly that. And then I realized that we're not the first company to do it. There's, you know, there's lots of good companies that do it. Um, And it was really at that point that we kind of entered the market and said, okay, well, now let's, let's be the best at what we do, as opposed to being somebody who's, you know, creating a category.
1: Cool. And could you just explain a bit more about about what you do? You know, what is the platform? What's the solution?
0: Yeah. So essentially employee advocacy as a category and what our product does is it takes content that's already been produced um, typically by marketing, but it can also be talent acquisition and recruiting as well. And it provides that content packaged up to an employee for that employee to share with their own professional social media connections. Um, The reason why I labor the point on professional is there's often a misconception around what employee advocacy is. And yes, there's been cases where companies like Dunkin' Donuts have had their employees on TikTok doing dances and all that kind of stuff, which is great. But most, you know, 99% of employee advocacy is more about professional use and uh, executives using content to advance their career and in turn help the organization in 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 the process.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And um, I know on the homepage of your site, it says about extending the reach beyond corporate social media channels by the most trusted influencers in your industry, your employees. Um, so why would we consider our, pl- our employees to be our most trusted influencers in the industry?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, the, the trust comes from the fact that if I'm reading that post, I'm already connected to that individual. So best case scenario is that person has taken that content themselves. They've customized, you know, the the post captions, they've made it their own and they've shared it, but they've also kind of given their rubber stamp of approval that they see this as valued content. Um, Very different to if the company themselves share something because there's an inherent bias that comes with that. So. If we think about it in its simplest terms, if I was using employee advocacy to recruit engineers, as an example, well, my engineers in my organization probably went to university and studied with other engineers, so they're already connected to the people that I want to speak to. Um, so it's using that bond of trust to to reach that extended uh, audience.
1: Yeah, it completely makes sense, and you know the, the you know this. It's one thing for you to say, isn't it? It's so another thing for other people, including obviously the people within the organization and tapping into their network. Um, I guess a, a key question that I have is how do you convince employees to share company content? It seems like such a brilliant concept to maximize, you know, the reach of the content, exactly as you said, through that that network, trusted network of your employees. But it it must it immediately jumps out to me, hmm, but How do you get them on
0: board? It's interesting because I think the feeling that you're having towards it is, uh, we're trying to work out how we explain this at the moment and um, on our own podcast, we've spoken about this a lot, but there's this employee advocacy 1.0, right? And I'll be honest, I actually don't like the term employee advocacy. If I could change it, I would, Um, but it's the category we operate in, so it's the word we use. So it's problematic in itself the term employee advocacy, because what we're saying is, I want my employee to advocate for me as the company, right? So the relationship is I'm the company, I want to use the employee. And the reason I want to use them is because they can get me more reach on my content, right? That is employee advocacy 1.0. And it's changing massively now. So employee advocacy 2.0 is more about social enablement to employees that have an invested interest in being active on social and giving them the tools to be good at it. So the idea of convincing someone actually is removed at that point because what we're saying is, okay, I might need to educate a salesperson on why um, being front of mind is a good idea. We shouldn't need to, because if if I use the example of a salesperson, but if I sell um, lubricants into an industrial industry, right? probably I'm not the only person who sells that that product, somebody else does. So if me and my competitor, the salesperson at this mythical competitor, have a shared connection, if one of us is always talking about what we do, demonstrating value, thought leadership, and the other one isn't, then I'm front of mind. Um, very simple. So once somebody understands that you're, you're enabling them to be good at social, you, what you're not doing is saying to, um, Stephen accounts uh hey Stephen accounts I'd love you to share information about our webinar that's coming up next week that has nothing to do with Stephen accounts because then what you are doing is using your employees which is the absolute opposite of what we want people to do now do people do it yeah they still they still do employee advocacy 1.0 but we are seeing a huge transition towards people that are seeing employee advocacy as being a specialist in, uh niche within marketing outside of just seeing it as a as a as a content button that you can press to get more reach
1: yeah i must admit i guess i had that as my understanding when we talk about this that it that is exactly as you explained really that you'd be having you know some webinars coming out or an next event and things like that and everybody would be encouraged to share the promo for the webinar in, in a way um is it crossing over somewhat into encouraging employees then to build personal brands because it's encouraging like like you said to put themselves out there front and center and be sharing knowledge and expertise so is that is that crossover into encouraging them to build that personal brand themselves on social then
0: yeah absolutely so we kind of see it like if we were engineering a car and obviously we would say this because it's our product we believe our car is the, you know, the Ferrari, the Mercedes or whatever of employee advocacy, right? So we can build the best platform in the world, but we're still gonna have somebody who takes that driving seat and they have to be able to drive it sensibly and not crash it, right? So we can give our platform to somebody that just says, hey, do you know what? I'd love to just get reach. Uh, Just gonna put all our content in there. I'm not gonna think about how the employee looks when they share it. And that will be a bad employee advocacy experience. Now. What you can do is you can still share that webinar video, the uh, webinar registration link, but it has to be in a bigger uh, bigger pot of other things that are of more value to the employee to, to share themselves. So the issue with personal branding is most people understand the value in doing it, but one of the biggest issues with it from an employee perspective, and I didn't realize this until we started asking people, was they're scared of doing it not because they will get it wrong and get a slap on the wrist, which is what most people think. They assume that their employer will think they're looking for a job. Yeah. Um, And that means that actually, do you know what, it's easier for me to not do it, even if I'm highly motivated. So what the employee advocacy platform does is it it gives permission and it enables people to do it in a way that they feel safe, that they're not gonna share something, especially in regulated industries, that they could say something, even if they, you know, uh, use the term that actually you're not legally allowed to use all these things would stop them doing it um so it's just basically making it uh safe for them to to build a personal brand
1: yeah it's kind of like putting the guardrails up just to help them stay within that um yeah that makes sense from the employer perspective um do you ever find that there's employers that have An objection because there's often a fear of your employees building personal brands in the same way you just said employees might be a little bit scared that it's like they're suddenly trying to get a new job and get a name for themselves you know often I find that I when you know when often when I go on podcasts and things like that and I'm interviewed about content people will say to me oh but like you know if your employees um, building a personal brand we shouldn't encourage that because um that you're encouraging them to become more employable and putting themselves in the marketplace and they're just going to go and get um, picked up by somebody else do you find that do you find you know i guess with the the businesses that you work with or just the employers that you speak to that there's some kind of hesitation that putting themselves out there puts a, a marker on their head to go and get taken and by someone else you know swept up
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's an it's an interesting one you can look at it in so many different ways so on one hand yes like if if we were speaking to somebody and they said that was a concern to them we would probably put a red mark against their name and say we don't want these people as a customer because it this isn't going to go well so if you took that approach in all areas of your business you would never send a salesperson out to go and see a client you'd never send someone to a training, you know, a, an industry event, a networking event, you know, you would just lock all of your employees away and say, you know, you know, be like uh, the ghost of Christmas past or Scrooge or whatever, you know, um, so people are going to go out there and if they represent themselves in a positive way, then that represents positively on the company, which I think if you work for a company that doesn't support that, you know, I would, you know, I'd probably look for a company that does, to be honest.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um what, Kind of what what unexpected benefits are there often from um you know having a really good employee advocacy advocacy 2.0 program in place but are there you know have you seen a string of benefits that you might not necessarily have initially anticipated from from it?
0: Yeah I guess COVID was an interesting uh change in employee advocacy because the the idea of having a personal brand externally and, and personal brands a bit cringy, like the term of it, I think we've kind of got used to it, but I think for a while it was a really cringy term. and I still find it a bit cringy to be honest, but th- the idea of a personal brand some to most people is that person you see on LinkedIn who's doing really well on LinkedIn, everyone knows who they are and they're dominating the algorithm, all that kind of stuff. But personal brand really before COVID was you met someone for a few minutes in the office in the break room, you got to meet them, you knew what they were about. And that was the way that people showed their organization, their personality, that they were, you know, that they were supporting the team message, all that kind of stuff. And then COVID and remote working basically meant that we all worked in silos. Uh, So if we worked in the marketing team, highly unlikely that we ever even met the people in sales unless they were a small window in a in a company kickoff thing where we never got to speak to them so the one of the unexpected benefits of using employee advocacy is showing your own organization who you are as opposed to you know trying to sell something externally.
1: Yeah I love that I remember you know back in my days of working for Accenture we used to do um, like training courses on growing our internal personal brand for exactly the reasons that you said being known within the organization for what you do and what you're known for and what what, you, what your expertise is and things like that and just managing that through the promotion processes and things like that so that's really interesting I wanted to ask you also about um, something that I think I saw in doing my research for this I mean, maybe you posted on LinkedIn or it might have been on the website but there was a mention of um, working with clients and seeing that they can reduce investment often in areas such as paid media if they've got a really good thing going with their content being shared through their employees. Um, do you have any really good like, examples of that or just like a walkthrough of, of how that has worked in practice? It's just really interesting.
0: Yeah absolutely so I guess what's interesting is we we obviously sell our employee advocacy platform but we also use employee advocacy as our primary go-to-market strategy. So we have, I, I should have looked for the podcast. I think it's more than 20,000 LinkedIn followers. Um, we've never paid any media for that. That's only been done for a very small amount of employees. We're a small bootstrapped uh, company, you know, like 40 plus employees. That's been done just through using our employees. Um, our largest referrer of traffic. So we have... Um, self uh self attribution on our website so people we don't give people tick boxes we say how did you hear about us and they write and it's you know 70% of the time it's linkedin post linkedin post um social social word of mouth and then it will be google so we we use employee advocacy as our primary market so we see that it does that um but if we think about how much it costs to get a, a click on linkedin let's say let's say you're doing really well and you're buying I don't know, $5 a click, which I think you'd be doing really well if you were doing that at the moment. The average employee will share 2.2 2. 2, 2. 2 pieces of content a week. If your content's reasonably relevant to the industry that you're you uh, you know that you're in, you could expect four to five net new website visits per share. So that means each employee is delivering you, what's that, 10, 10 clicks a week, 40 a month quickly adds up. If you then said, "Well, actually, five dollars a click, that's a that's a lot of money that I now haven't needed to spend with um with with LinkedIn in order to get that traffic," and the other benefit is that because the employee is sharing consistently, you're able to build on a consistent message over a longer period of time, rather than just doing that thing which I think a lot of people um do, but they know they don't, they know they shouldn't do it, but they kind of have to. Is that everything they do on LinkedIn is you know, go and download this white paper and give me your information so an SDR can call you. They can't take a more long-term view. And I think employee advocacy, if you have the the group of ambassadors there, gives you the ability to do that.
1: Yeah, I think it does. And I mean, in comparison of like the click for click as well, it's not an equal click, is it? Because I think the click that came from um, reading a, you know, a post or content from someone, you know, and trust within your network in some way, Um, that click is worth more than the click from the app that is is like, you know, worth a lot less than that click. So it's really that's really interesting. Is there certain types of content that you find work really well for this? So maybe like sticking with LinkedIn in particular being like more the B2B platform, we've got um, you know, video and Carousels, images, text-only posts, short, long, there's so much different content. Have you seen any particular types that just seem to work better for this kind of content?
0: Yeah, so company culture content works really well, uh, but I have to caveat that in saying that authentic company culture content works really well. So if you do, like, let's say somebody runs a marathon, right. And you share about it and you say, this is, you know, uh, is Sally, she ran a marathon, uh, and that would get loads of engagement because people love to support their coworkers. Now, does that help the company in turn? Not that much. It promotes you as a good employer that is seen to be championing your employees. So if you come back from that slightly and you celebrate people's projects, so you're still able to talk about the successes of the company, but more in a subtle Way while still celebrating the employee then that will do well if you just say this is our x12589 uh, processor it released last week and here's the spec sheet you can download it 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 won't it won't perform but there's a lot of pressure from marketing teams to put that kind of content out Um, but we're always saying to people would you share that Mm. you know and the (laughs) person who approved it will say no i wouldn't share that and, and so we're always kind of like, well, why, why would you expect somebody else to share it? So think about the content more as an individual sharing it and not just uh, using the employee as a as a walking billboard. And I think if you can get the client to to see the difference in those two things, then then content works much better.
1: Hey, just a little break from this week's episode to let you know about becoming a Content 10X Insider. If you want more content repurposing tips and advice, then why not join hundreds of business owners, marketers, and content creators who get them delivered straight to their inbox once a week by subscribing to the Content 10X Newsletter. As well as tips and advice, you get industry updates, inspiring stories, exclusive content, offers, and more. You can subscribe at content10x.com forward slash newsletter, and there's a link in the Show notes too okay back to this week's episode yeah that that makes sense and um, when it comes to uh, say for example the marketing team have created a piece of content so let's say you know there's some great um like white paper or something that they've just uh, announced on their linkedin page and there's the desire for employees to in you know in their own style and words mention and get this white paper out there it, it, so is the, the best approach really to um, provide information about what it is and maybe, as you said, if it's a regulated environment, that maybe some do's and don'ts on how you might sell the, the pros of this white paper um, and really just give a summary, the content, the summary, the key link and some pointers and then you know, pass that out with the request in your own words to share this, then, as opposed to ever really giving any pre-written. If you if you don't have time to write anything yourself, then we've written this post that you could always share. Yeah. Is that just not a good idea to do it, that? It,
0: it again, it, it's this, it's the nuances in this that that make the big difference. Now, if you if you start an employee advocacy program tomorrow, whether that was with a technology like ours or um, you did it manually if you just give everyone the same text and say share this content today then it will literally just look like you've carpet bombed linkedin because you know if i have 12 connections that will use a center as an example and everyone shares it then it's just going to be like what what's happened i mean most people would think that someone's account's been you know hijacked and spammed right it's because it just goes one two three all looks exactly the same so what we see it as is there's a journey that someone goes from in from never sharing on LinkedIn and not knowing what to say into being at the the pinnacle of social media, writing everything themselves in their own personality. And there's a journey between the two. So the way that we do it is we give people the ability to have multiple post captions. We now use um open AI. So basically means that they can have as many variations as they want at a click of a button but then we also do multiple preview images and titles so the metadata in the posts so when you randomize that if three people share that same post it looks completely unique uh, you wouldn't know that they were actually taking you to the same place so then if we're in a common team you're not going to see that kind of repetitive nature of it but that you also want to stage the content in being distributed at different points in time as well. So if the content is evergreen uh, and it could be shared next week, why does everybody need to share that piece of content today? So it's just being smarter with it. And then when you're writing the post captions, making it easy for someone to put it in their own tone of voice. So the example I used before where it's like the X125 processor, how does somebody take that post caption and make it their own? you know, unless there's an adjective in there where I can say, actually, I don't use the word awesome, but I do use the word epic, right? It's really easy for me to say, stop that, put that in, make that sound more like me. But actually sometimes when people create employee advocacy, 1.0 post captions, I mean, I don't know how anyone would put that in their own, you know, it would be like converting binary, um, you know, code and then saying putting it in your own tone of voice.
1: Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure, um, you know, that falls flat on its face if people try and follow that approach.
0: Yeah. And the interesting thing that I realized was that there's a, there's a confirmation bias that comes with employee advocacy in that if you see it done badly, you, you remember it, but if it's done well, (laughs) you don't notice it. So all you ever see is it bad employee advocacy because it's so easy to see. But you know we work with companies like McKinsey as an example. So we have you know ten thousand odd McKinsey consultants use our platform. You'd never know that they were using an employee advocacy platform because the person who runs the program is so good at running the program that it's done well. If she left tomorrow and someone came in and said, Do you know what, we just want everyone to share the content today, all of a sudden you'd have ten thousand McKinsey consultants looking like programmatic, uh, you, know, uh, you know, robots basically
1: yeah it wouldn't look it would not be a good look would it (laughs) at all it looked like the system had been hacked really wouldn't it so it would not be good um when it comes to like the the ben i was when we were talking before about the benefits of of rolling out really you know effective employee advocacy and as well as the key benefits of you know getting more people uh, familiar with the brand and potentially you know transaction and working with them and trusting them you mentioned about the internal you know internal sort of personal branding that can be enhanced through it um we discussed a little bit about recruitment from the point of view of um, you know do employers get reticent when employees get more vocal online and also do employees please worry that they're going to look like they're looking for a job but on the positive of recruitment have you seen that companies that do do it well um, actually Im- have improve their chances in the recruitment marketplace in terms of, you know, when you're looking at companies and trying to work out whether you're going to apply, whether you're going to go for the job, you usually do your due diligence and have a look at who works there, what's going on. Is that being reported as, you know, we've started to realize people are becoming more interested or that we're doing better from a caliber of candidate and that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So again, it, it does come down to the the quality and the strategy that you put into it. So some people think employee advocacy when it's recruitment is employees sharing job specs, you know, and that would be that we use the term 1.0 again. That's a very 1.0 approach to it. 2.0 is um, look at this uh, charity day we did. Um, look at this employee that's done a typical working day, a tour of our canteen um all of that stuff that makes it go like uh Dropbox are amazing at this so when when obviously we see a lot of our clients content on there but when I see their content I almost want to work there I'm like this looks like an amazing place to work so when somebody then does put a job post on there they know what they're applying for yes the job spec is going to tell them what job they're going to be doing and hopefully how much they're going to be paid but all of the other things what's the culture like in the organization what's the CEO like are they vocal how transparent are they all these things that are actually more important to people than you know the difference of 500 in their in their in their annual salary um these are the things that mean that the good candidates come through to them
1: yeah and do you like guess, kind of on the other side do you find that there's really specific organizations with spe- you know specific types of culture within organizations that this you know it it really has to be the starting point before you can roll something like this out there must be some organizations you go to and you think culturally it doesn't this isn't this is this yeah. isn't going to work yeah so,
0: so we, we obviously we have a qual like any uh sales organization we have a qualification model right so if we find somebody who we believe is a prospect we need to work out do we think they're going to be a client in year two because if they're not going to be a client in year two we don't want them in year one for a millions of mathematical reasons which we won't go into today but we really want to say is this going to stick so one of our qualification uh mechanisms is looking at glass door if somebody is like a two on glass door well you know what unless they literally force their employees to share content why would an employee of a company that has bad culture um already overworks their employees then want to take on another task um, when people are happy in their company and they want to be they, they want to be champions for the organization. And that to us is, um, you know, we, we, we can see that a mile away. And that combined with the content. So we say it's content and culture. They're the two ingredients that make a good employee advocacy program. If you haven't got content, then there's nothing to amplify. And if you have got content, but bad culture, nobody will want to do it.
1: Absolutely love that. I think I can just hear that being one of our sound bites on social media because <laughs> it's such a <laughs> such a good comment. One one last um question for you. Um for a, a small organization, um, so let's say a, a small business that maybe is like has like 50 or like around that employees, quite a small company. Um, somebody's listening to this now thinking, oh, like, why have we never done anything to really ever Encourage our staff, and you know, we've always just focused on our own brand marketing channels. um And we need to just get started with with something, some step forward to help our employees with this type of content sharing. What would be a good, you know, first step?
0: So, so a good first step is we talk about creating an ideal advocate profile. So, again, I, my background is in sales, so I always tend to pull things back to sales, but. In sales, we talk about our ideal client profile. Who, who's the customer that we can help the most? So we tell people, create your ideal advocate profile. So don't think about your 50-person organization as over 50 people. Think about who in your organization would benefit the most from being an advocate for you. So think of them as your customer. So it's probably going to be you know, in a 50-person company. I don't wanna say this is always gonna be the case. It's gonna be your salespeople, Your senior level executives your support staff people who are client facing and that might end up being 15 people in total and if i was in a company that was small that's about first of all creating a social media policy document that isn't a uh, fear tactic document which they normally are you know like most people I, I'm old enough to remember when people were told they'd be fired if they posted on social media so yeah. there's a lot of us still out there that when all of a sudden asked to post on social media go hold on a minute the did, did, did the rules change so a social media policy document that is enabling people to be more active on social training on the benefits on why um I personally would split out the training for the sales people because the motivations are so different so you don't speak to, and I hate to generalize, but salespeople, it's quite simple. Share more, close more deals, get paid more money, get drive a nicer car. So we're quite materialistic like that, not always. For people who aren't financially incentivized, then the training's different. It's about career progression, about being an advocate, a champion for your coworkers and those kind of things. And then once you've actually got that group of advocates, give them a name you know, like call them a team name of some description, whether that's your insiders or something like that, that cr- creates an element of exclusivity, create a Slack channel or Teams channel and put the content in there with, you know, some suggestions on the post captions to use. And then once you get to scale and you need a platform like what we do, go and find a platform, but don't go and buy the technology thinking it's gonna do it for you. Cause it, cause it, I'd love to say it would, but it's, it won't. Um, you know, get get it, prove the model, scale it. And then if you're, you know, 200 people and you've got 80 ambassadors and you need to start managing it, then, you know, go out and speak to, you know, all the usual employee advocacy companies of which obviously we'd love to be one of them um, and find the one that's best suited yeah
1: absolutely love that thank you brilliant advice really really good <laughs> well we've reached the uh, you know the top of the hour so i'll have to wrap up there even though i could have asked you so many more questions about this it's fascinating um thank you so much for coming on the show really really appreciate it and um, where would you like people to go to connect with you linkedin or any yeah, other places <laughs> Um,
0: available on linkedin um we also have a book that is being released in september Um, that will be we're taking people's details now to send out free copies so if they want to register for a free copy uh, it's disseminate.com forward slash employee hyphen advocacy hyphen book and we'll distribute it and that is a book called 101 employee advocacy cheat codes Um, so these are things that you can do without a platform and you can implement them straight away
1: Oh, that's amazing. So congrats on the book. We'll put the link in the notes. And that's awesome. I'll be I'll be getting a copy of that Bradley. So thank you. (laughs) Cheers. Right. Well, thank you. It's been awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that discussion and thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the content 10X podcast, then why not hit that subscribe button on your podcast listening app of choice so that you can get updated when new episodes are released. And I'd really, really appreciate it if you could leave a review as well. That really makes a difference for the podcast. Also, please do get a copy of my book, Content 10X, more content, less time, maximum results. It is the ultimate guide to repurposing every type of content. And it's available on Amazon, in Kindle and paperback, and also in audiobook as well. And you can head to content10x.com forward slash book to find all the other places that you can get a copy of my book. And if you would like us to do your content repurposing for you, then we offer a fully end-to-end done for you content repurposing service. This is for podcasters and video content creators. We have our podcast 10x, video 10x, and also our specific LinkedIn 10x service, helping you to become the leading authority in your industry on LinkedIn. You can find out so much more about our services on our website. And also please do give me a follow on the social media platforms. I share lots and lots of tips and advice on social media about content repurposing. I'm at content content10x on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And if you try content10x.com forward slash LinkedIn, you'll find my LinkedIn profile over there as well. All that's left to say is thank you so much for listening to this week's episode and I'll catch you in the next one.